And we all thought that when we got to 2021, things would simmer down and 2020 would be the bad year. One weekend, not so much. It's this week in the CLE, the news podcast discussion from Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. I'm Chris Quinn, here to wrap up a week of discussion with my colleagues, Chris Ranowski, Jen Cahoon, and Laura Johnston. Happy Friday, all. Hey, hey. Happy Friday. Mm-hmm. I thought Happy Friday, yes. I thought you were going to say a week of something. Uh, Yeah, it's been a week of discussion and and a week of something else. Let me let me tell you, (laughs) a month a month within a week. (laughs) It does seem like the longest week we've had in a while. (laughs) All right, let's get going. Did Ohio Governor Mike DeWine finally offer criticism of President Donald Trump for all of the lies he told Americans about the theft of the presidential election? Jen Coon, we've talked repeatedly about how DeWine was kind of a toady to Trump throughout the claims about the stolen election and kept saying things like, well, he has a right to go into court without ever addressing the preposterousness of what he was going into court with. Kind of changed a little bit yesterday. How so? Well, he offered probably the harshest criticism we've seen from him. But as you said, the bar is kind of low on that. Um, Right at the beginning of his coronavirus briefing on Thursday, he he gave this kind of sober speech. And I think he even ended it, you know, like a typical political speech with like, God bless America or, or something like that. But anyway, he said, President Trump's continued refusal to accept the election results without presenting credible evidence of a rigged election has threatened to burn down our democracy. And he said this incendiary speech he gave preceding the march that that he gave to protesters served only to fan those flames, encouraging the mob behavior that ensued. And he said the acts were shameful and all Americans must denounce them, even if those Americans feel incorrectly that, that Donald Trump one. And then he went on to just saying, you know, as with every presidential election in history, it's time to accept the results and to to move on and to heal. And we, we need to come together. Of course. So during his Q&A, reporters tried to press him more on, you know, hey, do you still support Trump? You know, what do you regret being his honorary Ohio campaign co-chairman? And do you think that the 25th Amendment should be invoked to remove him from office. And when when we got to these questions from reporters, he kind of reverted back to his usual dance that he does when, when you try to pin him down uh, about Trump. As you said, he still maintains that Trump had a right to file these legal challenges, you know, even if they were bogus. And he still really likes what, what Trump's done as president. He praised his you know, trade agreements and, and his judicial picks. And um, he, and he says, none of that has changed, you know? Uh, and then go ahead. let's stop for a minute. Cause we've never confronted DeWine with this where he says Trump had a right to go into court with his claims. That's not really true. Lawyers as officers of the court are not supposed to take knowingly bogus claims into court. That's really malfeasance. You're you're if you go into court, you're supposed to believe in your case. And this case was complete crap from the start. So I, what what boggles my mind is that's the Republican talking point. He had yeah, a right. He that's had a right. the cover for, for all the Republicans. Right. You don't have a right to abuse the courts with nonsense. And this was clearly 
nonsense. Every judge that looked at it said, this is utter nonsense. You've got nothing. You know, uh, Giuliani babbled away uh, and had nothing to back it up. So I'm throwing the flag. DeWine's wrong. He did not have the right to go into court with nonsense. That's not what the courts are for. And even though he said Trump caused the insurrection, which was a big deal because a lot of Republicans are condemning the insurrection without tying it to Trump, although there are some like the wine who are to not look at this as a sign of an unhinged president that should not have been reelected boggles my mind. I mean, so basically he's saying, yeah, this was wrong, that, that he shouldn't have done this. We shouldn't have had the biggest attack on the Capitol since the Civil War, but he should still be the president for the next four years. That's what he, in effect, said. <laughs> well, the way he on. described that about the, the 25th Amendment, he said he feared that you know, if they remove Trump from power with only 13 more days left in his term, that he, he said invoking that is something we wouldn't want to see happen because it would stoke the fires of of people who believe in this conspiracy. No, and, no, no um, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when he was asked, do you have a different perspective on being his campaign chairman? Do you still support the president? He said, yes, if, if right. it were all being done today. His his druthers, his preference would to be to keep this madman as president for four more years. That's shocking because yeah. Mike DeWine is a leading Republican in this country, in this state. And if it were up to him, we would have Donald Trump for another four years in spite of the incredible abuse of power that we saw two days ago. Chris, we're not. And, and I think it's, you know, if you read this in a certain way. What Mike is saying, what the governor is saying, I didn't mean to be so familiar with him. Oh, <laughs> what, 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 the, what the governor is saying is that all of it was worth it. So we got our judges, we got our tax cuts, we got what we wanted. And and never mind that those tax cuts have been severely damaging to working class people. Never mind the fact that many of these judges were deemed unqualified to sit on the bench you know, I, I think as, as somebody who is a former prosecutor, who who has a deep understanding of of the court system and the legal system in this country, I think I think to say that these lawsuits were, you know, there's a lot of things that you can do that you shouldn't do, and there's a lot of things that people can do that just because they have a right to do it doesn't mean you can excuse it. You know, I can go out and stand on a street corner and spout racist things to. Every person, every person of color that walks by me, should I do that? Probably not. You know, I have rights, but that there are things that 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 fall on moral and ethical grounds that that you shouldn't do. But I guess when people don't care about the law, why should we expect them to care about morals, decencies, norms, and all of the things that have kind of buoyed our democracy? for you know 200 plus years i i think it goes way beyond that though because i don't think it's just criticizing him for what he did i if if the people like mike dewine starting last july and august when when donald trump started laying the groundwork for all of his nonsense about the rigged election if they would have stood up and said mr president you are undermining americans faith in a sacred institution stop it right now if he would have gotten serious pushback from within his party, from the strongest leaders, we might not be where we are. But instead, what you got was Mike DeWine saying, I'm sure we'll have a peaceful transition to power. Of course, <laughs> he, he can fight. To, they never pushed back. They they appeased him because they're all afraid of him because of his base. And 
And that's what I thought he might address yesterday. And instead, yeah. it's like what Chris said. Yeah, well, we got our judges. We got the economy. And, and, and the not... other justification, too, was that, oh, the system worked here, you know, because well, the lawsuits yeah. but were it didn't work. You know, that, we had um, insurrection in Washington. Exactly. That's the system working? I mean, that's that's another I'm mind-boggled. You sound like me right now. That's weird. Uh, yeah, just, really. I know. Listening to him yesterday, I was just like one after another, I like wanted to write down like, wait, what? Right, exactly. Yeah. Because the responsible thing to do by a leader with a conscience would have been to say, look, I shouldn't have managed this campaign. It's a good thing he's not going to be president beyond two weeks from now. We need to move on. And instead, he stood by it. And that, you know, in two years, that's going to matter. When he runs for re-election, we'll make sure people remember this. It's this week in the CLE. What does Cleveland Mayor Frank Jackson say about Ohio's coordination of the coronavirus vaccine? And what steps is Cleveland taking on its own to get people vaccinated? Laura Johnston I, I'm getting barraged by people on all of our platforms, email and text for details of the vaccination plan. It's like the biggest hunger people have. So I was really grateful that the city uh, took took a couple of hours actually yesterday with reporter Pete Krause to lay out everything they're doing, because it's the kind of detail people are just desperate for. What did we learn? Yeah, so Jackson talked to to Pete and he did not criticize the governor, but he did say that that they're they're doing it on their own, that the state is dictating the order that Clevelanders get vaccinated and is providing the vaccine, but it's up to the city health department to figure out the mechanics of getting it done. And these are complicated mechanics. The city has to identify the people who are eligible to be vaccinated during each phase, has to schedule those appointments. To do this, they might be meeting with healthcare providers, get a list of people who want to receive the shot. They're sending social workers to congregate living centers to de- uh, determine how many residents want the shots, whether that they can come to a vaccination center to be vaccinated or if the city needs to send out a mobile unit. Um, That's as far as they've gotten. It doesn't sound like there's any kind of pre-registration online form for the next 1B group. So far, vaccinations are taking place at City Hall. And that uh, has been about 1,200 people so far. That includes EMS, first responders, firefighters, healthcare providers who are not employed by hospitals, certain nursing and medical students but once they go to the general population, they plan to expand to the recreation centers to make those places where people can get the vaccine first. I guess some city council members were trying to convince people that the city was throwing away unused vaccine. And Jackson emphatically said that's not true, that they right. if they get to the end of the day and they have some left over. They give it to other people if people don't show up. What, what also is interesting is they've got this one, they call it a pod. I forget what it stands for at public call, but they're trying to get five more set up. That costs money because it was a staggering number of people that are there. It was like, what was it, 30 or 29? It was a lot. And they're also using mobile units. I guess a mobile unit is going out for the first time today because I didn't know this, but congregate living facilities, they're not all being done through what the state's program is. And the city is stuck with doing some of them. So they're trying to to deal with that. I, I, he didn't criticize the governor. I think a lot of people are being careful not to, but there are a whole lot of people under their breath muttering that what the governor says in his briefings is not what they're being told, that basically they're being told, you do it. 
Um, right. And, and this is like we said, I think earlier this week, this is just one health department. Think about what other, I mean, there's one in every 88 counties and then a couple more. So what, maybe a hundred in the state, they're all going to be doing it a little bit differently. So it's going to be really confusing to people to figure out where to go. Even when the governor talked yesterday, he named, you know, I don't know, 12 different places you might be able to go to get it. Um, but you're right. Those congregate living centers in Cleveland, there's like 270 that are not being handled by that pharmacy program the state is running. So, I mean, that's a, a huge amount that the city has to figure out how to do. Well, it it, it is discouraging to think that Ohio will not get even treatment. So it's good to hear Cleveland is being methodical and systematic and really trying to be organized and doing it, even though their budget is completely crunched. But, you know, the rest of us who don't live in Cleveland, we're going to be relying on the Cuyahoga County Board of Health. Oh, my God, poor us. (laughs) You know, and and in in, in some of the outlying counties, they seem to be doing a more efficient job. Uh, And that it just that's not the way it should go. Right. I mean, we should have everybody in Ohio should have equal access and equal treatment. But the direction they're getting out of Columbus is so, so lame that that it's on them. And so the good ones, the ones that think about this and are proactive, will do a good job and the others will not do a good job. It'd be nice to get the same information from the Cuyahoga County Board of Health. I agreed. I think Pete Cross has a story on our website today and in the in the Plain Dealer that really it's a Q and A that spells out very clearly how this is working in Cleveland. So I hope that people who are feeling a lot of anxiety and live in the city they'll read this and they'll feel a little bit better. Yeah, and they're going to continue to give us updates every couple of days. They 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 understand how important it is for the public to have confidence in this thing. And so they're going to be, they promise to be very, very accessible and very, very transparent because they know how important it is. That's why they were willing to spend a great deal of time going over it with Pete. You're listening to This Week in the CLE. Do we finally have some information from Ohio Governor Mike DeWine on how the state coronavirus vaccination plan will work? Chris Ranowski, in listening to the details he revealed yesterday, I had lots and lots of questions. Uh, my biggest one was when he said doctor's offices were provided. And I'm thinking, they don't have freezers that go to 97 below. How does that work? Right. But let's start with what he did say. Yeah, I, there. I mean, this is... This is some positive news. It's it's really the first time they've revealed a you know a broad comprehensive plan to to get everybody you know in line to to get vaccinated. So he said that uh, that local emergency management agencies in each Ohio county will soon hold press conferences announcing how vaccines will be available in their counties. Um, the they're starting what is known as a provider registration. Uh, and they've already had 1,700 different providers sign up to uh, distribute the vaccines thus far. Not all of them will immediately begin giving shots because of their the lack of vaccines that we have. But uh, and then on Monday, these providers are going to take part in a webinar. Um, right now, we're 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 in the the one A group, which is you know healthcare providers, residents of nursing and other congregate homes. That group is finishing up, and next next is one B, the group that will be made up of school workers and older Ohioans, and then and then basically they're going to start going down by age by by five years. So in the first week, which is expected to start around January nineteenth, they're going to reserve vaccines for people who are 80 and older. And then every subsequent week, they're going to go down, you know, they'll go to 75, then they'll go to 70. 
and then they'll go to 65 and, and so on and so forth. The week of January 25th is when Ohioans with severe congenital developmental and other disorders will be eligible for the shots. And then DeWine said teachers and school staff will be eligible for vaccines around February 1st. So these are good moves. These are, these are, these are good plans. You know, it's, it is a, is a, a big logistical lift. And it's going to require a lot of coordination, I think, with counties, with with health boards, with school, with hospitals, with everybody. So, you know, it's there's there's a lot of complicated stuff on the horizon. But, you know, this is at least the, the first glimmer of hope to people who aren't in these designated groups who are wondering when when it's going to be their turn to get in line. All right. Well, you jumped the gun on teachers, so we may as well finish that and then we will do the Susan Block question. So with teachers getting the coronavirus, you got the teachers union, a statewide teachers union criticizing what's going on because the whole condition is teachers get it if their districts commit to being open by March 1st, which seems a seems like it's a hurry if they don't start getting it until February 1st. I mean, you know, because you you need up to 30 days, right, to get the second shot. So no teacher really will have the second shot before they're required to be back in the classroom. And I know the first shot provides some help, but you really don't get fully protected till two weeks after your second shot. What's the teachers union's objection to this plan? Dan Cahoon, you, you, you've got this one, right? <laughs> I, I got this one. So, yeah, they're they're concerned about this mandate, about the vaccines being tied to the in-person learning. Uh, Melissa Cropper, the head of the Ohio Federation of Teachers, said, you know, like what if it's off, if the vaccine is offered to all teachers, but only, you know, half of them take it, it, it might not be safe to reopen. And and she's concerned about other things that need to be done for a safe return, like robust testing and and the ability of each school district to implement these mask and social distancing measures. And she's worried about community spread, you know, playing into this. Um, you know what you know, bothers uh, my mind about that, though? I mean, they're saying if teachers refuse the vaccine, they're not going to be safe. It's like, well, why don't you work with your membership and get them to get the damn vaccine? I mean, yeah, you're right. If people don't get the vaccine, they could get sick and they could die. But that's a decision they're making. There's no doubt that we will be better off if the kids are in classrooms, that the remote learning is really hurting kids, especially kids in districts like Cleveland. So I just... That's a twisted logic. You know, if, if our membership won't get the vaccine, well, they could get sick. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Can I uh, jump in here? It's Laura Johnson. Oh, we all know how I feel about kids being in school <laughs> at this point. But, but let's remember that this is allowing teachers to jump the line. Like, otherwise, they wouldn't be getting <sighs> vaccinated for months. So, I mean, I, I've got a lot DeWine here for trying to get kids back in the classroom. And it's still up to the individual districts. No district has to go back. It's it's a decision they get to make locally, but and it, it counts hybrid. So if you go back hybrid, where maybe half the kids are in school, that also counts in you getting the vaccine early. So um, when I read that story that Emily Bamforth posted, I was like, I, I, I agree with, with Chris. It did seem like twisted logic, but I, I understand that it seems rushed to people. And this is a big discussion with parents and teachers about what's going to happen. But I got to give the, the governor some credit for this one. But you said something that, that throws me that 
why isn't an option for the district? I mean, usually the law is kids have to go to school. So the governor could say, look, the kids are being damaged. This isn't a local issue. It's state law. The kids go to school. We have the vaccine. Everything was hinging on the vaccine. So I'm reopening the schools. Open the schools. If you don't want to get the shot, that's on you. If you get sick and die, that's on you. But the schools are reopening. There's no danger to the children. And I've provided what is necessary to do it. I'm a little bit surprised that it's not, it's not, um, or that it's optional at this point. Well, I think he'd rather use the carrot than the, than the stick. And, and let's face it, that there's a scarcity of these vaccines. So yeah, it's, it's a great, you know, to plan for this, but we'll, let's see what happens by March 1st, whether they're able to really even get the first dose out to all the teachers. You know, we keep saying there's a scarcity of the vaccine, but the, the state has like 300,000 doses. Well, I know, but presumably they're going to go through those by the time they finish the 1A group and the teachers are in the 1B group and they're only supposed to get like 100,000 for each week. So it's, it's not going to be a fast Process. I just, yeah, I just like right. where people are pointing to the the kids that have gotten the cases. You know, it comes out every Thursday. We report the number of cases, and the last one, I don't know there was like a thousand kids who had gotten the coronavirus, and it was through winter break. Like we're reporting when kids are getting it, and they're not in school. So it's clear that it's it's not just school spread, right? I mean, this is community spread. So says the mom who's desperate. To- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, my kid was practicing the recorder again this morning. Oh, <laughs> okay, you're listening to this week in the CLE. Did two governors really appoint Susan Block to a state council? Given her political beliefs, as they we now know were circulating on Twitter last night, Jen Cahoon, we put up a story late last night about this. It's kind of mind boggling. Susan Block is a member of the Block family that owns the Toledo Blade and the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. The family is known for being serious, serious Trump supporters and kind of kind of nuts. What what's this about? <laughs> well, this is about her posting on social media what could really only be called a rant. I mean, it was all in all caps. First of all, I don't know if you mentioned, it's the Ohio Arts Council that that she was appointed to by both Governor Mike DeWine and previously Governor What do they do? Kasich. You know, I'm not sure exactly what they do, but I'm sure they set a lot of, you know, the policy or maybe award grants or, you know, I, I'm not really sure. I, okay. You kind of stumped me on that. I didn't do the research, but, um, but anyway, this rant, it came after the, the insurrection at the Capitol. And it, it, as I said, all caps, and it was like, no peace, no unity, no concession, no legitimacy for a stolen election. And it said 70 million Trump supporters, you know, are not going to fall in line and there's not going to be any healing. And this is the part that was really even more incendiary. Uh, it said, you know, we'll drag this illegitimate president and his whore VP and the Democrats through the same. Can I say the S word? Yeah. They dragged Trump through for the last five years. And so apparently they, you know, these have been deleted. But of course, people made screenshots and circulated them. And a spokeswoman for the governor last night said that her comments are highly offensive and don't represent the views of the administration. And then Block Communications also subsequently issued a statement saying 
well, you know, these are her individual views that, you know, she's got a First Amendment right to express her opinion, but she only represents herself, not not Black Communications, and she's not an employee or shareholder or director. And I'm going to go back and bleep that out. I've been watching the Netflix series on how obscene words came into play, and that was one that I guess you got to oh, be careful Oh, I thought you about. said yes. I did, but I've, I've rethought it. So when people are listening, they won't hear the word, even though I said yes. So... There was distancing, right, of this. I'm a little bit surprised. Oh, yeah, like the 10-foot poles came out. <laughs> <laughs> but but why not just say we're removing her immediately? I don't know. You know, maybe uh, it was probably, I hate, I, this is going to sound mean, but it might have been past Mike DeWine's bedtime. You know, he's a really <laughs> early work riser. And, oh, that's true. So that's true. It was late. Yeah, it, was, it, I, did, it did boil up pretty late at night. That's a good point. Uh, and, and look, it flies in the face of everything that he said yesterday about that. So you could be clear. I, I just, but I do wonder, uh, how, you know, how does she pass the vetting to get on a state council? We've got 11 million people in the state and there aren't people that you can be sure aren't, don't have lunatic fringe thoughts. And- <laughs> yeah. I don't know if she regularly rants like this or this was an aberration where, you know, she, she was, uh, I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it just it's it's just what were her qualifications to be on the Arts Council to begin with? You know, I hope it wasn't campaign donations. You're <laughs> listening to this week in the CLE. How bad was the Cleveland mail delivery in December? And is it getting better now that the Christmas package rush has ended? Or Jensen, I've never seen anything like what happened with the Postal Service this past month and a half. It all it is all the result of Donald Trump's dismantling of the mail system in advance of the mail in election and the, they just didn't seem to recover. And in a in a pandemic year, there was a higher demand. But wow, uh, it, it just amazed how long packages have sat down at that central station in Cleveland. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm kind of wondering how many times we've said in 2020 and 2021, I've never seen anything like that. But yeah, one more thing. Um, we it was really bad. It was 28.8% of first class mail delivered on time during the week of December 19th. Think about that. So less than a third of the stuff that you mailed got delivered on time. That compares with about 74% in mid-November. It's like Thanksgiving happened and everyone sent their Christmas cards and ordered their presents and, you know, from Amazon and delivery just fell off a cliff. Um, it was about 40% uh, on time the week of December 12th. And as annoying as this is for a lot of people who are waiting for presents to arrive or um, bills or stuff, it actually costs some small businesses in Cleveland like thousands of dollars because they had to end up redoing orders and re or um, and resending them or giving refunds to customers because they their customers didn't get what they ordered and and um, Cameron Fields did a great job on the story. He talked to a couple small business owners that just said, you know, it's just they just watched the tracking just sit there and not move and how frustrating it was. And that's even if the tracking is accurate. You're listening to This Week in the CLE. All right, I want to use the last few minutes to kind of talk about the weekend. I, I've In a number of conversations I've had this week and catching up with people in the new year, I've heard repeatedly from people saying they're just sick of the pandemic. They're just so ready for it to be over, that to get through the holidays. They're just, it's done. Is anybody doing anything this weekend to relieve themselves <laughs> from the horror of this past 10 months? Or is everybody just going to be housebound going, when does it end? When does it end? 
Well, the liquor stores are still open. So I think, I feel like it's a, I think this of all weeks might be the one where it, it, a, a drink might be in order, but I, I just, I want to stay out. I want to go outside. I want to be divorced from social media for a while and get away from the noise and, and, and really just kind of take a, a break. I mean, it's, it's weird to say. Are I you need feeling a break. Are um, you feeling that, that sense of I'm sick of this. It's got to end. Yeah. I mean, Look, I stayed up till like 3.30 in the morning watching Uncertified Elections because I just, you know, as a history nerd, I, I feel like I, you know, I want to be able to talk semi-intelligently about this stuff on these podcasts. And and I want to be able to say in the future that, you know, that I watched it and I and I witnessed it and I and I saw it. So, so you're you tired. Know, so I'm really tired right now and, and, <laughs> and we're feeling pretty run down and sick. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a relaxed weekend for us here. Laura. I am going to go skiing. I haven't been to Boston Mills yet. We've been to Alpine Valley. So um, I'm very excited about that. And here's the big news, guys. It is supposed to be partly sunny on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe we'll lay out then. That's so that'll be. I'm <laughs> partly sunny. So yeah, I can't really have a, a pre-skate ski, you know, at a ski hill. So I think I'll come back and maybe I'll find a pot spot of sun in my backyard. Jen Cahoon, what are you going to do? Well, now that Laura told me that, I am going to work on my tan for sure. Um, you get a winter before you get a tan. <laughs> definitely go out and get some walking in. That's That keeps me sane. And then it's just the usual. I like to cook, so I'll be cooking and just trying to, you know, watching some football. We hopefully. hope it's football. With the, with the number of players that they're losing, yeah. I'm not sure if real football is going to be played. Yeah, we do your, have the Browns. Keep your phone handy. They might need you to come in and play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got the Browns Sunday, and we got OSU Monday night versus Alabama, which which they're also being hammered by the coronavirus. What a year. Okay, well, I hope you have a good weekend. I hope everybody listening has a good weekend. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Laura. Thanks, Jane. Thanks to everybody who listens to This Week in the CLE. We'll be back on Monday morning. 